Welcome to Book to Where Two Guys and a Girl Tell You About the Books They're Reading. I'm Livia Snedden. I don't like that. Let's, yeah. So, <laughs> there's, th- yeah, because we're one step away from a pizza party, pizza place being involved. Yeah. I am not <clears throat> sexist, but I don't like that intro. So, I don't think next time we have a guest host, I'm going to use that intro. We can use that's, it this time. I don't want to start over. <laughs> Uh, all right, well, let Livius let that cat out of the bag. Uh, so this episode, I'm going to give, I'm going to, I'm explain to the poor people that are like, "What the hell is going on? Why is he talking about Ryan Reynolds TV shows? What's that? What's that snorting <laughs> in the background? <laughs> yeah, why is there just random cackling? So this is a very special episode because it's one of our Patreon picks for the year, and this one is the one that was chosen by um, our longtime holiday permanent host, whatever we call them, Misty Bennett. So, Misty, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me again. Um, Misty um, joins us on all current and future um, uh, holiday episodes. So the next one, in case uh, you're already asking, will be Halloween. The Halloween Extravaganza Spectacular, our greatest episode of the year, typically in my opinion. Um, But this time, she has chosen a book Interestingly enough, by somebody who not, neither Rob nor myself had ever read, a gentleman by the name of Blake Crouch. It's a name that comes up a lot. Uh, I'm I'm surprised that we haven't reviewed anything by Blake Crouch yeah. previously. Um, but there might be some reasons for that, and we'll probably get into that. But I think <laughs> Rob's going to take a moment and tell you about Blake Crouch. Yeah, I'm going to read his bio, and then we'll have Missy maybe explain a little bit about why she chose this book. But uh, here's a little bit about Blake Blake Crouch is a best-selling novelist and screenwriter. His novels include the New York Times bestseller Dark Matter and the internationally best-selling Wayward Pines trilogy, which was adapted into a television series for Fox. Crouch also created the TNT show Good Behavior, based on his Letty Dobesh novels. His latest book is Recursion, a sci-fi thriller about memory, and will be, slash, actually is, published in June of 2019. He lives in Colorado. There you go. So, Misty, tell us a little bit about your, uh, I was going to say relationship with Blake Crouch, but we can keep that on the down low. <laughs> tell us a little bit with your history with Blake and, and his work. I sh- Well, I was not anticipating this question, but I think I remember finding him because of, and I hope I get this right, you guys reviewed Corrosion a few years back. Is that John Bassoff? Yes. Okay. And I think that through reading that book, I was looking for something similar. And for some reason I got into, um, or was, uh, pointed in the direction of the wayward pine series. And I read that and it was pretty interesting. And so ever since I've read those, I have been anticipating what Blake Crouch has next. And I loved dark matter, which was just published a few, um, I wish I could tell you the year. It was not too long ago. And so when this one was heavily anticipated, um, I was chomping at the butt to get it and had pre-ordered it and loved it so much, I decided to make it my Patreon pick. But I have been a fan of uh, Blake Crouch for several years now, essentially. So I'm glad I get to introduce you all to him. I'm pretty sure that Craig Clevenger may have also recommended dark matter not 100 percent sure on that but i feel like that's the other time that i heard someone specifically speak highly of, of blake crouch not like on facebook or you know amazon but someone actually you know talk to what's you just like humble brag there you're just out there talking to craig Clevenger. <laughs> no 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 i mean listen i think we do that enough on the podcast sure. no i think he mentioned it on one of the episodes he was on i feel like he brought up dark matter and like in the back of my mind, I was like, ah, oh, I'm going to have to check that out at some point. So we'll see. Well, again, we'll see if that holds up after reading this book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, are you going to, you want to get that synopsis out of the way? And then, yeah, yeah I'm totally, totally going to do that. Yeah. All right. All right. So uh, enough about how we got here. Here's what the book is about. Memory makes reality. That's what New York City cop Barry Sutton is learning as he investigates the devastating phenomenon the media has dubbed false memory syndrome, a mysterious affliction that drives its victims mad with memories of a life they never lived. Neuroscientist Helena Smith already understands the power of memory. It's why she's dedicated her life to creating a technology that will let us preserve our most precious memories of our pasts. 
If she succeeds, anyone will be able to re-experience a first kiss, the birth of a child, the final moment with a dying parent. As Barry searches for the truth, he comes face to face with an opponent more terrifying than any disease, a force that attacks not just our minds, but the very fabric of the past. And as its effects begin to unmake the world as we know it, only he and Helena, working together, will stand a chance at defeating it. But how could they make a stand when reality itself is shifting and crumbling all around them? I think uh. I think we could probably talk a little bit about the synopsis before we dive into kind of like an, an, an analysis of the story. Because I have a couple of big thoughts. My first big thought about the synopsis is it tells you about the first like 20% of the book. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. <laughs> um and it does a little like foot, fancy footwork around like, you know, what it hints at that it doesn't kind of tell you about in a way that's like again, your your typical synopsis like misdirection so that it can tell you something without like ruining the surprise. Um so yeah, there's some things where I'm like, eh, as a, as someone who's gone through the book, I don't know if I fully agree with it. I agree. I will say it's a really big synopsis, so it does a lot of the hinting. But it hints at, like, when you say things like, you know, reality itself is shifting and crumbling. Yeah. Um, that's some pretty big promises uh, to be made in a synopsis. And and I, I will say, as, you know, as I've said on this podcast frequently, I, I didn't read the synopsis for this. It was a book that we knew we were going to read. No need to read the synopsis. Um, I'm a little surprised at where the synopsis leaves off. Yeah. Which leads me into saying this. We are going to try to be as spoiler-free as we can. But as Rob said, we cover about 20% of the book in the synopsis. There's a lot of things we're not going to be able to talk about on the episode um, that we will be able to talk about in spoiler talk. So if you're a Patreon subscriber and you're like, well, shit, I want to know what some of this stuff is, it's it's coming. It's coming via Patreon. Mm-hmm. We're going to tiptoe around some things here. Because to be fair, I don't want to give people the 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 full meat of the story, right? Like it unfolds in a way that, uh, you know, the author wanted you to read it the way that we read it. And if he wanted certain things put in the synopsis, they'd probably be there. Yeah. Yep. That being said, um, I think that we can kind of deeper explore the things that aren't going to spoil it because like the setup before the kind of twist that kind of reveals what's going on um, does a very good job of uh, giving you an emotional anchor for the characters that are involved so it bears like you know uh, discussing what the the preface to the, the the chaos that is promised in the synopsis is for sure and we'll start um, as we often do right at the beginning we're introduced to Barry he's a detective for the New York City um, Police Department and we're we're introduced to him is uh, he's uh, having um, lunch with his ex-wife. Um, they had a child together, and that child had died years before that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a it's a somber. They they meet on her birthday every year for dinner. The she the wife is remarried. His ex wife is remarried. You know Barry's got some, some pokers in the fire. He's got a couple things going on, but no, nothing super serious. So we're introduced to this kind of somber um, situation uh, that that he's involved in. So we get the setup of he's had some bad things happen to him in his life over the course of the last few years. He lost his daughter. And he lost his marriage. I, I like the way, and I'm, I, if I get too granular, we can kind of like punt me out of this. But like, I like the way that um, this particular setup happened too, because you know that they're meeting, you know that they lost a kid, and then you learn like as you as you keep going, you learn more and more things. And it's at the very end of like the interaction that it's revealed that like it's the daughter's birthday. And so, like, he did a good job of, like, building the emotion to the point where it was, like, then there was a punch at the end. So, like, even at the very beginning of the book, I think he did a good job of, like, trying to get you emotionally invested in what was going on. 100%. The other aspect that we're introduced to fairly, fairly early on is false memory syndrome. Um, Barry responds to a call. Um, there's a, a jumper a woman who's preparing to jump off of a building. He happens to be nearby. I believe it's right after this dinner. And uh, he he, uh, swings by there and he goes up and he tries to talk this woman off the ledge. And that's how we're introduced to false memory syndrome, which is referred to in the synopsis. And that is that one day somebody just wakes up and they have memories of their um, 
current life, um, but they also have memories of a past life, i.e., if false memory syndrome happened to me, um, I might wake up this morning and think, oh, I have to record a podcast with Rob tonight and Misty. But then I might have memories of recording a podcast with Jesse and Misty <laughs> that I've been How doing horrifying. for eight years. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but that's that's kind of what happens. Like you may wake up and, 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 you know, have memories of having been married and had a child. And that's essentially what happened to this woman is she has memories of, of a previous life where she had a child. And in this life, she doesn't. She was married to a guy. She's looked him up. He says he doesn't know who she is. He's married to someone else and has been for for a number of years. So that that's the kind of thing that happens is you're instantly given a life of memories that uh, may resemble what your life is like now, but not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's very mysterious in the beginning of the book. Like, obviously, like it's explored throughout the book, but it's very mysterious in the beginning because it just suddenly started happening to people and no one knows why and no one knows um, the reason that the specific people that are experiencing these memories are all I know is that suddenly someone just has these memories that um, contradict each other and it causes them to get really freaked out. And, and in this specific case, um, the woman actually kills herself. Yep. And they also start to think that it's contagious because it seems to happen in like circles of people who know each other. Right. And so they start to notice a pattern where it's not just a singular person who happens to have um, FMS all of a sudden. It's um, people around them start to share the same uh, fragmented memories just all of a sudden popping into their heads. So I would like to stop and say I love how Misty said FMS like like this is a telethon. Like she's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she just said it with confidence, like we're raising money. If you, if everybody just FMS. gave three dollars to 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 fight FMS, we can That's make right. it a thing of the past. Oh, Misty! God damn it! I, if FMS ever happens, I think Misty Misty is gonna. She's already got the marketing campaign going. Oh, a thing of the past! I like that. <laughs> um. So simultaneously, this book is told um through to, through two different sets of eyes. So we've talked a little bit about Barry and what's going on with him as he starts to to learn a little bit about uh, false memory syndrome. Then we're transported back in time uh, to 2007, mm-hmm. I believe. So the current story takes place in 2018. The previous story takes place in 2007. And that's where we're introduced to um, uh, neuroscientist Helena Smith. She um, has uh, applied for a patent and, and is trying to get funding um, to build a memory device that records memories so that you can relive them. I'm just kind of saying what was in the synopsis. Um, she, <laughs> it, well, I just, I know what we've said it already, but that's, that's very well laid out in the synopsis. She is approached by a mysterious character who offers her, you know, that we've seen this kind of trope before, right? Like unlimited funding and complete control over the project. She just has to sign an NDA and go to work for, uh, for this person's boss. Um, and, uh, and I, I, that's how we're introduced her. I'll let Rob figure out where we're going from, from here. (laughs) Wow. So the thing about, so the, the, the compelling thing about the Helena character in the beginning is that she is so like, she's very focused and dedicated on the idea of memory and the idea of, um, her, her, her mother has Alzheimer's. So like her personal motivation is, if I could find a way to preserve memory, I can help fix my mom who is basically losing her memory slowly. And so she's got a very personal motivation to figure out how can we preserve memories in the situations like Alzheimer's and things like that. I'm guessing dementia and whatever other applications it would be useful in. And so again, a very emotional uh, introduction to a character. It's a very personal thing for her. And she's basically working however she can um, to advance her research. And, and, and so like when, when this offer comes out of the blue, it's like, how could you resist? Yeah, I think that's accurate. Both Barry and Helena are introduced as very sympathetic characters, heavily sympathetic characters. Mm -hmm. Very much so. Unlike the third character we're going to talk about (laughs) Marcus Slade. 
you know, somewhat mysterious <laughs> gazillionaire. Straight, straight from a fucking Fifty Shades book, that name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. <laughs> um, he has made a ton of money in different uh, bio research and stuff like that, uh, so much so that he has basically purchased an island and developed a research facility um, just so Helena Smith can have a place to work on her, I guess we'll say it, she calls it a memory chair. So memory chair. He is completely on board with her vision and provides, you know, uh, unlimited resources and, and, you know, everything at her disposal to uh, make her dream come true, to help people with Alzheimer's and to, uh, you know, become vastly wealthy from, you know, creating new, exciting technology. Now, before we move ahead on this, I had a thought early on in reading this book that it's probably unique to me, but I want to see if you guys drew a parallel at all to other other books with this whole, like, I want to try and preserve memory thing. Did any other books come to mind trying to preserve memories of a loved one? You're putting me on the spot, and I feel like I'm going to miss something obvious. You, did. you obviously did, yeah. Um, are we Dermaphoria? I was going to say Dermaphoria, and then I was like, but he already dro- name-dropped Craig Clevenger earlier. Yeah, I'm not going to go double there. dip. <laughs> we have there's a Craig. No, there's no limit. We've got a threshold of Clevenger references per episode. Honestly, um, there shouldn't be. So no. I apologize for even going there. Uh, how about if there was a shark involved? <laughs> Rosh Arctics. Yes. So obviously, That's, uh, that did not I occur think to I either of you. So in the beginning, yeah, I gave you a copy. Anyway, in the beginning of this book, just the theme of like a very personal and emotional, like near desperation of trying to find a way to preserve memory, strongly connected for me to the raw shark texts. So if that's a theme, if that's a theme that you're interested in as a reader and, and you're listening to this right now. Um, that might be a book you want to look into. Agreed. Everybody right. should read that book. Sorry, sorry to derail. <laughs> I was trying to draw parallels between other books, um, and it didn't work. You guys failed me. So here we go. One of us clearly has a better memory than <laughs> wow. the other two. So yeah. <laughs> I'm going to find a conceptual shark to help us with that. <laughs> This is the part where we're not sure exactly how much further we can go. I will go out on a limb and say that based on the synopsis and what we've told you, that there is some success in providing a device that does something like what Helena wants. It is probably a safe way to go. But there are disastrous long-term consequences. So I'll dig a little bit into like the, the mechanics of it. So it, it's not an island. It's like an oil rig out in the sea. Oh, is that Tallulah? Is that Tallulah's first uh, appearance so on the podcast? Sorry, it is. It is. Someone <laughs> Miss, was outside the door. Hello, Tallulah. Misty's dog um, has some opinions on on this book. Obviously, <laughs> oil rigs specifically, apparently. Yeah. So it's an oil rig like 130 miles off of the coast of whatever, and um, so basically, what what happens is in the beginning, it's it's very ideal. It's a very ideal situation where she has access to labs and and equipment and stuff that she beyond her wildest imagination and so it's just pure science and so like Mm -hmm. she gets to spread her wings and really get into things that she was kind of held back from just based on like her availability to to resources and stuff so in the beginning of her time on this rig um she makes just excellent progress far beyond what she would expect to make on the whole idea of mapping out what a memory is in a brain, like really identifying the specific like firings of synapses and stuff so that you could basically record a memory. And then um, the focus is how can we replay this memory for someone? And so that's really what the beginning of the book is and all the, like the great progress they make in this, this chair thing that they're working on is we figured out how to, record a memory and how to play it back for you later on basically yep. and i think it's also worth pointing out so simultaneously we're also seeing barry the detective trying to work out what's going on with false memory syndrome and so you have kind of a science situation happening with a detective story 
for the first part of the book, mm-hmm. which is, is very exciting. You may ask yourself, how do these two stories come together from <laughs> 11 years apart? Um, for that, we're going to talk about uh, in spoiler talk, which I'm not ready to go to yet. Let's talk about our feelings on the things we've talked about already. Yeah. So memory. Um, there's some really interesting stuff about memory in this book. Uh, like there's, how do I say this? Um, there's this conversation that they have, and I wish I had my Kindle nearby where I believe I bookmarked this conversation, but essentially where Slade is explaining to Helena, or they're having a conversation about how nothing we do is happening the way we think it is that everything we're experiencing is a memory of something that we've done. I think I, I have the quote if you want me to read it. Ooh. Oh, if you would, that would be amazing. Okay. Because memory is everything. Physically speaking, a memory is nothing but a specific combination of neurons firing together, a symphony of neural activity. But in actuality, it's the filter between us and reality. You think you're tasting this wine hearing the words that I'm saying in the present, but there's no such thing. The neural impulses from your taste buds and your ears get transmitted to your brain, which processes them and dumps them into a working memory. So by the time you you know you're experiencing something, it's already in the past. It's already a memory. That's the one. I think. That's some pretty powerful shit right there. Agreed. So... Yeah. I essentially put the book down and thought about that when I read yeah. that passage. Um, and the thing that, that struck me about that is this not, so I, I know I'm going to start talking about this like it's deja vu. It's not what I'm saying. There are times where I'm listening to someone talk and on a, like a millisecond, millisecond thing, I feel like I know the words that are going to come out of their mouth. Not enough time to like get what their thought is, but like, a prediction of words and i started thinking about that and how that relates to that that statement like are there times where i'm just more in the present and so when i thought about that like it made me rethink my whole thing right like my thought was like there's i don't want to say psychic ability because i don't want to sound nuts but there are times where i could you know when someone's talking rob on this podcast for example where i can like almost word by word in my brain hear the word before it comes out of his mouth mm. so i started thinking about that and is that a lapse in what happens the rest of the time if that makes sense based on that that statement so i thought that was really fascinating and something i want to not just give more thought to but something i want to you know like do some research on see if there's some some good podcast or youtube videos that kind of address that particular theory right there not shortchanging blake crouch i don't feel like he invented that but if he did that thought is fucking amazing well no oh go ahead rob no, go. You go first. Oh, I was the only thing I was going to say is he's not the originator, and he does carefully address something like he mentions some philosophers as well because it's a known thing where, um, like, if you think about Plato's "The Shadows on the Wall" kind of scenario, where it's we're perceiving right. a reality kind of a deal. Um, there is something also about um, when you see a tree. There is something in your brain that actually tells you it's a tree, but actually the moment that you initially see it before your brain identifies it is where you're actually perceiving an object before your brain responds. And so to me, that's like that, and that's not even a millisecond, it's probably even like a nano or less than that, where you are actually perceiving something before your brain creates it into a thought. And to me, that's the difference between a like the perception and the memory almost. Yes. Yeah. Cause like basically your mind has to interpret the information yes. that the senses are, are, are delivering. 100. Um, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Now the interesting thing about like, if you think about it in general, like the thing that I was thinking when Livius was explaining this was with it, there's billions of people in the world and not everybody's equipment is going to work as good, you know, as everybody else. So like if it takes, you know, it could take someone five times as long to understand that that's a dog in front of them as like someone else. 
So like, there's like weird things about perception too, that like, it's very specific to an individual brain, which is probably way beyond what we need to be talking about here. Um, but just the thought I had, the other thing I want to say is that sometimes our brains are kind of inefficient. I think it's a lot, it has a lot to do with, um, language. Like language is probably one of the least, least efficient ways to, to, um, receive or deliver information to the point where like, there's a statistic that says like, if someone asks you a question, it takes your brain something like 30 seconds to like fully understand and prepare a, like a response to the question, which is insane. So that's way off topic, but I just thought that that was an interesting thing. Like our brains are great at handling like sensory input and like almost immediately turning that into um, like interpretation of something, but they're also kind of inefficient too. And so it's, it's interesting to see like based on what you were saying with like uh, how, everything is a memory by the time we understand what it is that like, yeah, our brains aren't the most efficient tool for things sometimes. And we're only using 10% of it. It's, it's mind blowing. Well, the other 90% is filled with curds and whey. <laughs> I feel like that was a reference to something that I'm not familiar with the curds and whey. It's a nursery rhyme. I'm pretty sure. It's... <laughs> No, it's Scott Pilgrim, but anyway. Yeah, oh see, that's gosh. what I was—that's what I was I expecting. Just, yeah, I just had a bestie fail, is what happened. You, yeah, you, yeah, you got a bestie fail. So, without going too far into the story, I will say that there is a lot of that kind of thing—things that make you stop and and analyze, and sometimes question, and sometimes flat out not understand. Like, there are times where, throughout the course of this book, I was like, hmm. I don't know if I like this as an idea so much. You know what I mean? So, but it's it's definitely um, one of the more thought-provoking books on a metaphysical level, maybe if that's the right thing, where you start talking about the mind and, and things that maybe practice science can't really give us information on. So it, it's it's very it, how do I say this? The book can be very heavy in that way if you allow it to be. Yeah, it's very Black Mirror in that sense. And honestly, I probably should have said this when you asked me about Blake Crouch before, but that's what I enjoy about his work. He does that very often, is um, some of the tropes he uses might be typical, but he brings a heaviness that will have your mind spinning in ways that a normal um, either detective or sci-fi book will not bring to the table and let you do so yeah. it's it's impressive but to Livius's point it's it, it felt a lot like if you choose to because like i've read books that are like kind of philosophically heavy or scientifically heavy in a way that really slowed down the pace of the book and i read this book in two sittings uh, uh almost effortlessly so <clears throat> the heaviness of the of, yeah the concepts of the book and the heaviness and the deepness of them in no way slows down the fact that you're reading this at a really actually a really a really good pace like like this is our 24th book that we have reviewed this year and it's probably like in top three as far as like the quickness that i was able to get through it that's awesome yeah the drive through crematorium this and maybe another one (laughs) (laughs) i think that's a great way to jump into spoilers unless you have anything else to talk about (laughs) no now rob my memory is failing me can you explain to me again in a way that I'll understand exactly what spoiler talk is and where people yes. can find it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, spoiler talk for for people that support us on Patreon. Anybody, even at the dollar a month level, uh, has access to spoiler talk. Damn it! I wish I had the figure in front of me. There's like something like 45, 46 books that we've done spoiler talk for, um, where like we just basically talk about stuff that we don't want to say in the regular review because we don't want to spoil it. But there's like such rich kind of um things to explore so dollar a month on patreon gets you access to all of our spoiler talks this one plus everything that came before it um so you can kind of travel back in time and read all or listen to all of our spoiler talks um and yeah it's just a way to like i I feel like since we started doing spoiler talk our overall impressions of the books and our and our wrap-ups and stuff are richer because we've we've explored the topics that we didn't let ourselves talk about before 
Um, so it's just an interesting... So whether you've read the book or not, if you don't care about getting it spoiled, listen to the spoiler talk. If you've read the book, you can kind of join us to see if like what we think matches with some of the things that you thought about uh, as well. So it's just a great way to kind of like further the conversation. Yeah, we're going to go do spoiler talk right now. All right, we are back from spoiler talk. And the first thing I want to say, which I did not acknowledge at the beginning of the episode, but I think it bears mentioning is I want to thank you, Misty, from the absolute bottom of my heart, the top of my heart, the middle, all of the areas of my heart, um, for not choosing a book just because you think Olivia's is going to like reading it. <laughs> that was so not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> yeah. I don't I, know if you motherfuckers if remember. Either. And honestly, that is such an accurate um, uh, thanking message because honestly, it's been my... Um, my motivation for the last few picks and I anticipated Livius may not like this one. So, um, you're welcome. It's for anybody who's listening, who's not aware of what's been going on the last few years. <laughs> so we've got, we've had two people, um, who qualify for picking, uh, Patreon picks for us to, to review and to join us for reviews. And for some reasons, it's been this goddamn arms race, of pleasing Livius <laughs> that like really frustrates me because like, when is I, my opinion going to fucking matter about something? I, I think, and, and <laughs> I could be wrong, but if we went back and, and you could actually do this in your spreadsheet, I think that I'm a little more critical mm-hmm. of books than you are. Mm-hmm. So hold ultimately, on. Hmm? Continue, please continue. Cause I will give you ultimately. The I think that they're like Livius is it's harder to find a book that that he likes than it is a book that Rob likes. So I think that when people you know, donate their hard earned money um, to the podcast, they probably want something that's going to please both of us. And I think that I'm the harder one to please. So they're like, well, if I can get Livius, I probably got Rob. There's a serious flaw in this. Okay. There, that is actually not my thought process. <laughs> Do you want to know what the you want to know the cumulative rating is between me and Mm -hmm. you for the two hundred fifty plus books that we have reviewed together? Yes, you have given a cumulative rating of three point nine five, and mine is three point nine (gasps) seven. So yours is point oh two lower. (laughs) Pretty close. Well, yeah, but on a percentage basis, how much is that? Like, like a tenth of a percent, maybe. No, no, no. I don't have a calculator in front of me. So three five and three seven, right? So a point no two three point nine five and three point nine seven. It's point oh, oh two. Really point oh two. Yeah. yeah, all right. That's really close. I was yeah. gonna say no, that's like eight percent, but no, no, no it's no. gonna be yeah, it's point oh two. Yep. No, but I will say sometimes I am thinking Rob when he reads something, he's like, Oh, Misty picked this. Let me see why Misty loves this book. And I feel like he would give the book that benefit of the doubt. And Livius, on the other hand, not He's so just much. looking to be angry. Yeah. That's my perception. So you're like, what's the what's the Livius pleaser? Is that what your that's your thought process is? Honestly, yes. Wow. I, look, <laughs> I live the rest of my life by those exact rules. <laughs> like I, I encourage people in my vicinity. To think exactly like Misty was thinking. It's not why I am the way I am. Mm-hmm. So, um, wow. I think that um, I want to make a, a kind of statement, and then I think we're going to go into wrap ups. Unless you guys have anything else you want to talk about about this I do. book, I do. Oh, and Rob, please. I, I think Misty brought it up earlier, but I, I just want to say that, like in the acknowledgments in the back of the book, there's this really cool part of the the acknowledgments where he lists names of characters in the book. And what uh, the inspiration for those names are. And a lot of them are authors um, and stuff like that. So I thought it was really cool. I don't think I've seen a book before go into such detail about like who inspired the names of these these characters. And and it was just it was a really cool thing to after I've gone through the book and, and had all of the experiences I had, like emotionally and psychologically with the book to see that, like these characters names had an entirely separate meaning from like what they contributed to the book. I, I just thought it was really neat that 
that um and there was only one name that I recognized seriously but um yeah it was cool because it was like a tribute to a lot of his author friends which was a really cool touch that is cool all right the one thing I do want to say is we spent a lot of time in spoiler talk talking about all the things that we can't talk about in our wrap-up so this is a reminder to my co-hosts and also a reminder to you guys that the this might be the flakiest um, wrap-ups you've ever heard <laughs> like super vague and whatever so um if you guys don't mind uh, I, I i'll go first mm-hmm. please please all right um as i mentioned before the name blake crouch has come up a couple of times um one of the things i realized when um actually when purchasing this book is oh now i know why i didn't read his stuff he wrote that wayward pines trilogy <laughs> which which I've not heard anything about the books. I just know that I watched the TV show and I was kind of lukewarm on season one. And then I watched like one episode of season two and I was like, meh, not, not interested. Um, that being said, I don't know what the book is versus the the TV show, but I knew that it really kind of wasn't, um, wasn't for me. So I saw that and I said, well, got to read it. It's for the podcast. Misty's pick. I'm going to read this book. I'm going to try to keep an open mind. It didn't take very long for me to get in this book and be like, oh, oh, there's some really interesting shit going on in this book. So I I actually forgot that he wrote Wayward Pines trilogy until we were doing this episode and I was looking at the bio. Um, So I don't that's not a slam on the Wayward Pines trilogy. I've never read it. I don't know anything about it except for Matt Dillon. I think it was Matt Dillon who played the the starring role in the TV show. And I said season one was okay, And then season two got weird. And I was again, not not interested. Um, That being said. This book is right up my alley. Um, There's some very complex uh, theories or or whatever that go on in this book that that examine um, some of the things that we talked about, memory, some of the things we didn't talk about um, on the podcast proper. Um, But it's the kind of book that you can take two ways. And we did mention this a little earlier. You can read this and just read it for plot and not question anything. Or you could spend some time kind of examining the concepts in the book. And for me, that makes it far more rewarding i think that somebody who doesn't you can really um what's the word i'm looking for you could really uh dive in to the concepts in this book and take some time reading it and and have an enjoyment there or you don't have to because there are books that are difficult to read where if you're not paying attention you kind of lose things and, and this could have easily been that kind of book but blake crouch is a masterful um, storyteller. I said in spoiler talk, like, I don't know what kind of maniac takes on this type of book and concept and says, oh, I know what'll be fun. I'm going to write a super complicated um, book or super complicated plot and try to bring it to the average person as Blake Crouch is a best-selling author. This wasn't a niche book. This was uh, planned for mass market. Um, and he fucking pulled it off. And there are parts in this book where I wasn't sure he was going to pull it off. I thought this is getting a little, it's going to be interesting to see him work his way out of this. Um, But clearly he's a master storyteller. Um, Not only did we have a really, really, really big story going on, and spoiler talk, I called it the biggest story we've read this year. Um, But then there was a lot of really good interpersonal stuff that brought it back to um, just a couple of people. So you can take the story a, a bunch of different ways. Either way I take it, um, I really, really, really enjoyed it. I, Dark Matter is now on my list of things to read. I'm going to give this one five stars. Hot damn. Mm-hmm. Missy, do you want to go next? I would love to. And I'll have to say it's going to be a little shorter than I planned because my initial that I wrote down has spoiler talk in it, so I've got to revise. <laughs> But um, obviously, I already mentioned I've been a Blake Crouch fan for quite some time. I did not see the television series Wayward Pines. I can say, just sidebar, the book series is better, I would hope. I mean, I did enjoy those as well. So just FYI, Livius, don't judge the books by the TV series. But um, this one, once again, Blake Crouch um, has tackled some science fiction in a way that is very uh, palatable for anybody. And um, as I think Livius already mentioned, it's masterful, the way that he tackles some of these ideas um, in a way that does not become cumbersome to the reader. Um, It's still very fast-paced. Uh, not to mention the characters 
are um, extraordinary. I loved Helena. I'm a super fan of a strong female lead, and she was excellent. I admire her passion. Um, and likewise, Barry was an exceptional character, and you have, of course, the evil Marcus Slade on the side. But um, he did an excellent job setting up the human element, the science element, and um, with that also is love. And I think that one of the things that makes this one of my favorites of Blake Crouch is that he kind of shows us the madness of the human spirit in Helena and Barry specifically, and also shows that love is what makes us selfless. And so instead of this just being a detective and science fiction kind of story that I mentioned earlier, um, it's also about love. And um, I am also going to give this five stars. I really enjoyed it. I've read it twice now, so um, highly <laughs> recommended. Yeah, when you said you were rereading it for the podcast, I was like, that's dedication. So props to that. Mm-hmm. Rob, take us home. Yeah, I guess it's up to me, right? Um, I, I'm going to agree with a lot of what I've already heard, and I'm going to boil it down to the things that like stood out most to me. Um, it, it's amazing that a, a book of such scope and such um, ambitious kind of um, uh, scale is really boiled down to the lives and the things that matter of, of, of two people in the story. And so even though it's a massive scale story, what I took away was um, the, the emotions and the motivations uh, of two specific people in the book. So it's just interesting to see a high concept book also pull off the fact that this is essentially kind of a love story um, in, in, in a way, um, in a very scientific sci-fi way. Um, and, and really what I think one of the bigger accomplishments of this book is, uh, is that it's not, at least as far as I'm aware, or at least as far as the conversation has gone so far, it's not polarizing, even though it introduces some really polarizing concepts. Um, and it just makes us think about like, it, it's, it's a very, what if kind of situation, um, and it, it uses a very complex and, and deep philosophical slash scientific thing to make us analyze like ourselves and what we care about and what is important to us. I'm really kind of rambling, but what I want to say is like, um, it could be classified as, uh, in, in the, in the hands of a lesser author, it could just be like a junky sci-fi book, not junky like drug junky, but like as junk uh, sci-fi book that doesn't have a lot of depth to it. And instead, it's an it's an analysis of motivations and and the character of these these two main characters, and it works really well. The other two said things much more eloquently than I have about like what makes this book powerful, but really, it's 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 a sci-fi book wrapped in what matters to people. And that's what I thought was really, really good about it was it never got away from itself. It it ended up being a story that told exactly what I feel like it wanted to tell. And, um, I I really enjoyed it. And again, I want to reiterate the fact that like I went through this book in two sittings. It's a very fast read. So even though there is density to it, um, it doesn't slow down the pace and it doesn't slow down your enjoyment of what's going on. So, uh, I feel like that's pretty difficult. We've, we've reviewed a lot of books on this podcast and I can't remember the last time that something so thought provoking was like a page turner. So that in itself deserves a little recognition as well. So on top of what Livia said and what Misty said and what I mumbled through, um, I agree. Five stars. Nice. I have, um, a question for Misty. Ooh. Um, so dark matter is the other like hugely best-selling Blake Crouch novel. I believe it's like the one he's most known for. Um, but would you say this is on par with better or lesser than dark matter? Oh, that is super hard. And I actually was 
hoping I could do that as my next year's Patreon pick, but you already said you were going to read it. <laughs> um, I, I need to read Dark Matter again to uh, make sure that I didn't love those characters more, but I will say I was a super fan of his characters in Recursion, and I think they stuck with me a little bit more than Dark Matter, so that would be the only reason. Um, that's all I'm going to say on that, because I... I, okay. I need to be. I need to have a more recent touch with it to say specifically. That's fair. I have another question for both of you. Um, completely spoiler free. Um, if you were given the option, would you use the the machine in this? Yes. Yes. Wow. No. No thought. I mean, like you guys <laughs> read this book, right? Like, I mean, I'm I'm a yes too. I just expect to drop that, and you guys, you guys be like, well, um, nope, yeah, probably. <laughs> no, there's like just yes, yes, yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. I would challenge you to find someone that answers no. Uh, because that person is a liar. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I just expect more of others than I do of myself. It's yeah, and like we could dig into. I understand that this is like a don't dig into it question, but like, yeah, I feel like the common answer would be yes. All right. I, I, you're probably right. (laughs) So, um, Misty, thank you for picking a really wonderful book. I, I mean that sincerely. Oh, beyond my pleasure. I'm very excited that you all loved it as much as I did. Um, yeah, see, I keep wanting to say things, and I have to keep stopping myself because they're all super spoilery. <laughs> yeah. You guys could draw some parallels to some things. Here's what I will talk about. I watched a very recent Netflix show release um, that I was fairly impressed with. Have you, are you guys familiar with The Spy? Not a little I bit. Have, I've seen the preview, not watched the show. Okay. So, Rob, it is Borat playing a serious role, mm-hmm. Sasha Baron Cohen, who plays a role of a uh, just normal fella, an accountant, who gets recruited by the Mossad in the 60s to become a spy for the Israeli government. It's a six-part um, series. It's Sasha Baron Cohen's first um, serious role. And I, I had my doubts, although I loved Ali G and I, I really liked Borat. Um, I had my doubts. Man, that show delivered. So it's 100% serious? It, dude, it's based on a true story. I, I don't even think there's like a joke cracked in, in the show. It's it's dead serious. Like all this stuff actually happened. I mean, I'm sure it's embellished a little bit on like the personal sure. relationships, but the big strokes all, all happened. Um, as a matter of fact, I believe at the beginning of the show, it says that the guy who wrote it collaborated with the OSS on information, like like historically accurate information to for, for this. Well, here's what I'll say about that in general. Um, and this goes back to uh, but when we were talking to David Duchovny. That's right, everyone. I want to remind you that we interviewed David Duchovny. Um, there was a whole conversation about how like people who are capable of being good at comedy are the best dramatic actors. Because mm-hmm. it's like almost like significantly, it's like, like measures of greatness more difficult to make someone laugh. Um, and so like when they get into a serious role, they're just like better equipped because like they've got the chops for it. So that, that honestly doesn't surprise me that mm-hmm. he would do good in a role like that. Yeah. Oddly enough, my girlfriend said in one scene, she goes, God, he almost looks like Freddie Mercury in this. And I was like, yeah, that was going to be the first serious role he played. And then and that fell apart. <laughs> so like, that's a good call. Someone else thought the same thing. Apparently. Wait, he, um, he got replaced by Rami Malek or whatever the guy's yes, name is. Wow. Yes. Yes. He was originally signed on to play, and I I don't know what happened, but he was for months going to be Freddie Mercury. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but I will say, other than the fact that he pretty much uses his Borat accent through a good portion of it, that uh, <laughs> it's it's very it's very watchable. <laughs> it's a little bit of a slow grind, like Cold War era um, spy movie. Um, uh, it's it's based on true. So I was gonna say I can go a little farther because it's based on a true story, but you know I probably shouldn't. It's hmm. it's it's really good. I really enjoyed it. Wow, I never would have. Yeah, I I, I wish I had something um, significant that I'd watched recently that I could kind of contribute to the I've watched recently conversation. I will say well, that. 
let's see what what have you watched like gleaming the cube um <laughs> watched some of rob some of rob's right. social media timeline right now so i've been doing a Cups. thing <laughs> i've been doing a thing recently and i really enjoy this where um i'll watch like an old movie and there's like an actor in there who's now famous but then was obscure and i'll say i'm watching so-and-so's best performance um but recently, this whole weekend, so Friday, Saturday, and I'll probably watch something tonight, I've been watching old-ass Christian Slater movies. So I watched Gleaming the Cube, Cuffs, and... What was the other one I watched? Pump Up the Volume? Pump Up the Volume, yes. Thank you. Um, and th- this is all part of, like... I have an aspiration one day to do a movie marathon called White Boy Day. Have I ever told you about this, Livius? Uh, yes. I'm yeah. not sure if listeners have heard it, though. So, Christian Slater is in the movie True Romance, and in one scene, Drexel, who's played by Gary Oldman, after getting into kind of like a, a little dust-up with Christian Slater's character, uh, Drexel says, he must have thought it was White Boy Day, talking about Christian Slater's character. And so I thought, if I ever did a Christian Slater movie marathon, it would have to be called White Boy Day. So this weekend has been like a mini white boy day because I've watched three Christian Slater movies. I don't know. I do really like two of those movies. So I really like (laughs) Gleaming the Cube. And I really love Pump Up the Volume. Cuffs Um, is not one of your favorites? Oh my God. I've not not seen Cuffs. It's such a good movie. Mila Jovovich Jovovich is dancing around in her underwear at the beginning of the movie. And that's really all you need to know. I was going to say, you had me at Mila Jovovich, or however you say her name. I like her. That's all you need to know. There you go. That's me. I'll probably watch Broken Arrow tonight, which is a Christian Slater, John Travolta, John Woo film. (laughs) There you go. Misty, anything on your uh, viewing or reading radar that we didn't review tonight? Um, No, but immediately after I said no, and I'm going to say... Immediately after you said Mila Jovovich, I was thinking of The Fifth Element, which is Luc Besson's, you know, movie with her. And they oh, were married yeah. for a little while. I watched his most recent one called Anna yesterday. I will just say everyone can skip it. Really? He, oh, that she was, was, that was on my list. I mean, it's if you like Luc Besson, which I do, and it's the reason that I watched it, it's exactly what you expect it's the cookie cutter female assassin movie but <laughs> nothing else nothing else no so he's not stepping outside the um the normal <laughs> i didn't realize he did the taken tv series i'm, I'm going through his imdb right now because uh, he did the trans transporter movies i think and the taken mm-hmm. movies uh well and, and i'm going now to in, back in the past so like he did did he did the professional right absolutely yes he's done some great stuff he did but anna's the, not one of them the breakout parkour movie district b13 <laughs> such a that's such a wonderful movie you know i just showed somebody that parkour scene like two weeks ago i sat him down i was now, like you need to see this my question is it's the parkour scene not the fight scene right correct yes because you you're you're familiar with the fight scene i'm talking about i am yes absolutely that fucking movie is great <laughs> yeah it's I thought a really person in the in the fucking world that appreciated that movie but no i not. really like that movie a lot um before we get off the subject of anna which was on my watch list up until moments ago i did a few weeks ago watch and this is this is just kind of weird i did watch hannah so anna with yes the H- um, Joel Kahneman. But I watched the TV series, the Amazon original TV series, a few weeks ago. It's like 10 episodes. So it's that story told in a much longer form. And I really enjoyed it. Sorry, I um, was yelling because I thought that was the only ver- What's the other version? The, the, the other version is a 2019 um, prime original series. So it's eight episodes long. No, no, that's the one I've seen. I thought oh. oh, I'm sorry. The movie. I, I There was a movie with, um. oh, shit, what's his name? Uh, Called Hannah, and it was the same thing about him raising a, an assassin 
Get um, out of town. Oh, yeah. I can't think of his name. The guy who played Batman, Christian Bale, is in it. Oh, I missed 2011. That. 2011. Okay. With uh, Kate Blanchett? Uh, I believe so, yes. Actually, this is a different version of a 2011. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm on, I'm on the IMDb. This is apparently I'm so confusing. Of, there have been a lot of Hannah movies. We're going to need some edits here. Wait, was that yeah. the one with Miley Cyrus? <laughs> I, God, I don't think so. Um, look, oh, that's Christian. Hannah Montana. <laughs> Shit. Demerit. <laughs> you fucking love that joke. <laughs> oh, there's the snort again. All right, hold on a second here. Well, while have... Livius is fumbling over this, I want to point out the fact that that District B13 movie that we both love um, was remade uh, in America. Did you know this? With Paul Walker. Shut up. Yeah, it's called Brick Mansions, and it was it came out in like 2014 or something, to absolutely zero acclaim. But it's the exact same story as District B13. What? Oh my god, that's yeah. Well, I, I haven't yeah. watched it yet, but I'm gonna have to. Hannah <laughs> <laughs> right. Montana right. joke so, was fucking hot. I, I, yes, it was. Um, so <laughs> maybe it wasn't Christian Bale that was in it. Oh, Christian Bale's no Eric Bana, the guy who looks like Christian Bale. So Daddy. 2011, yes, Kate Blanchett. You don't think so? No. All right. Wait, he was originally in Back to the Future, which Livius never watched. Yeah. So. Um, at any rate, it all stems from that movie, that which was an okay movie, but I, I, I like that series on, on Amazon. Yeah, it was good. That was probably the most confusing. That was more confusing than what we talked about in Spoiler Talk, I think. That's very true. <laughs> but isn't it weird that we keep wanting the name Assassins and put like an A-N-N-A in their name, Anna, Hannah? Mm. What? <laughs> Uh, well, is there is there a third example? Yeah. Oh God, what's that movie called? I think her name was Anna too. The the um, shit. The original one where they take her. <laughs> she's Russian. They made it into a TV series. Nikita? The Femme Nikita. Yeah. The Femme Nikita. The Femme that Nikita. was also done by uh, Luc Besson. Good job. <laughs> and so it's all the same dude. Assassin movies. Yeah. He loves female assassins. Wait, did he also make you the show Alias? No. You know but what? I, like it wouldn't have surprised me right. if he was on, you know, the creative storyboard creatives. <laughs> He's a producer. So, seriously. But they weren't assassins. I didn't watch Alias, so I'm just drawing a point. You know what? Alias, I feel like she got down with some kills. I can't remember. I did love that show, though. She's an international spy, which is different I... than an assassin, but like. Uh, but honestly, uh, semantically. She same wigs so let's be <laughs> let's be honest there you go um that, that was uh that would be if rob was watching that he would praise um uh what's that guy's name that uh it was his first role bradley cooper that was like one of his first roles it was. And he was a character he was like her boyfriend like that didn't know what was going on for like yeah. three years ran. that's yeah. what broke Absolutely. bradley cooper that's fucked up yeah i never knew that that's the one but, that's crazy. Can we talk about? All right. I, I'm just. I don't want. I don't want to let this end. All right. Let's keep going. Let the rails are gone. Let's do this. Can we talk about upcoming movies we're excited about? Definitely. I mean, people won't hear this before we've actually seen the upcoming movie that I'm most excited about, at least for the next four or five days. Uh, three words, Livius. Three. Three from, from hell. Hell. Yeah. We have tickets to see it, like, on Monday, right? Correct. Or... Tomorrow. Yes. I was going right? to say that is tomorrow. be there. I'm hoping Rob will be Oh, shit. There. Now I know. Now I know. <laughs> I guess I won't be editing this episode tomorrow night. Yeah. Um. So Rob and I are going to see. We have already seen Three from Hell, although we can't tell you anything about it yet. Um. I do believe there's going to be a YouTube video review probably around 9 o'clock tomorrow night, 9.30 maybe. No way. Fuck, yeah. This is going to be very exciting. I... From a car in a parking lot, shot on an iPhone. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're very excited as the world premiere date for that. Um, and then I'm really, really excited about Downton Abbey because Friday I'm going to see Downton Abbey. This will be the first time I've gone to movies twice in a week in probably 20 years. Oh my God, that's so wow. precious. My mm -hmm. mom is re-watching Downton Abbey right now. Just for this movie thing? 
Um, she actually didn't know it was coming out. I had to tell her. She just wanted to rewatch it. <laughs> right. It's, it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. I watched a 10 minute recap um, on YouTube, like all the th- big things that happened in Downton Abbey, like crunched into like 10 minutes. And, and I, I almost, almost had tears flowing. I had to fight him back. Oh. It felt like Rob <laughs> reading the last 20 pages of any book we've ever reviewed. <laughs> I did. I did. I came close to crying at the end of uh, Recursion. I, will, I, I won't lie about that. Um, <laughs> I want to say that this came up on my radar. I don't know if you know about this, Livius. Uh, there's a new Black Christmas movie coming out. I saw that. I've never seen the first one, but I it's did a, see that there's. It's in like it's like a, it's one of the hallowed like horror movies, right? The like original horror movie, like Chris Black yeah. Christmas, like in the seventies or something, right? Yeah, I think so. And they got remade in the nineties, and now I, I don't know if it's remade or just using the same name, but like I watched the trailer, and it looks like, uh, like your basic college frat sorority thing, where like the frat guys are evil and then the sorority people rise up and kill a bunch of people. I don't know. It looked kind of boring. So, so we're not going to get to this. It won't be out in time for us to do this for our Christmas episode. Cause I was like, wow, problem solved. Wait, when does it come out? I think it comes out December 13th. Oh, everyone. Yeah, and I'm not going to force anybody to go see some. What I am excited about though. I want to say, I watched a trailer for a movie called villains. Have you, either of you heard about this? Uh-uh. It's out nope. now. Um, and it's a story of these two people who break into a house um, just to like, because they're like criminals and they're on the run, but I think they run out of gas or money or something like that. So they break into a house they, to rob a house. Um, and the house has like, like it ends up being that they're kind of out of their league because the people that live in the house are so much more evil than these robber people. Oh my gosh, that's awesome! And there's like oh, a Bill Skarsgård's in it, right? And um, I feel like uh, Kara Sedgwick. Okay. Yeah. And I would say watch the trailer because it looks cool. Because like at one point there, they go down like the two robber people go down into the basement, and there's just like a little girl down there. And you're thinking, oh shit, they're keeping a little girl in this basement. But then the little girl like bites one of them and like you're like i have no idea what the hell's going on it looks really good is what i'm saying oh, so, villains what's that movie where um they think that they're breaking into the house of this guy that's um blind and he ends up don't like, breathe okay yeah it's kind of like that it seems like it's a similar start but like these people that's are sick. seriously yeah. like twisted okay like pretty people fucked up stairs kind of stuff yeah so and I just want to say that Motherless Brooklyn is coming out, and it's based on a Jonathan Lethem book. Yeah. Um, and it looks fucking amazing, and it's written and directed by Edward Norton. Um, and it's, like, one of the Whoa. few, like... Yeah, it looks fucking great. And Edward Norton plays a guy who has, like, Tourette's, and it looks so good. Um, and it's one of the few Jonathan Latham books that I have not read. And it was like the one that I was, I was like, oh, I'll get to that one. And then we started a podcast and never had an opportunity to. So <laughs> I was going really to ask you, I was gonna ask you if this one made any sense. Because although I enjoyed reading his books, I always felt like I had no fucking clue what was going no, on. No, this one looks like a straight up like crime novel. Interesting. Like there's nothing weird to it. Because like a lot of his books, like me and Livius both read a book called As She Crawled Across the Table, I think, mm-hmm. which is about like of basically a scientist falls in love with a black hole. It's really mm. weird. Um, this has no weirdness <laughs> to it and it looks really fucking good. And it's written and directed by Edward Norton, who like, if we want to go back to primal fear, like, right? like holy shit, can this guy like throw you off? So I- I'm really interested in that one. Stars in it too, apparently. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And Bruce Willis is actually got an amazing cast. Wasn't he, man? Yeah. It's going to be Quite big. It's going to be a big movie. So, um, Willem Dafoe. There you go. Yeah, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe has been in zero bad movies, so I mean, right? wait, have you seen the Spider-Man movies? <laughs> because I feel yeah. like I, I like, like that first Spider-Man. Okay, movie. so actually, have y'all seen the newer Spider-Mans with Tom Holland? No. Uh, well, I don't think I, I, I know. Rob, you hate anything Marvel, so you probably haven't. But anyway, they're spectacular. I love both of them. <laughs> No, I saw the first one because I remember 
that the girl who was the daughter in yeah. Nice Guys is in that movie. So I know I saw that. Oh, just kidding. That was in there. Okay. Yeah. Just, have you seen Into the Spider-Verse? I didn't realize you're a huge <laughs> Spider-Man fan. I have not. Rude. I'm not. I, I, I just I just really like the new Tom Holland ones. She goes for gotcha. the live action stuff, not the animated yeah. stuff, apparently. Yeah. yeah. I actually I, I watched that. That was uh I watched that on a plane. Um and I actually thought it was cute. I, I really enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Um Aww. it's actually it's actually pretty cute. So yeah. all right. I think we've done enough of whatever the fuck this was. Right. I know. I'm just uh, like trying to. I'm like bringing up stuff now so that it doesn't end. But we should probably like wrap it up. I guess. <laughs> I just. I just. I just remembered. I have a movie to see tomorrow night after work. So yep. I should get my beauty sleep. Uh, next week, in keeping um, with what we did tonight, we will have our other Patreon pick from this year. Jesse Lawrence has selected. Drum roll, please. It came from Del Rio by Stephen Graham Jones. So. Uh, I will be getting uh, started on that hopefully tomorrow. Um, Rob will be reading it next Sunday afternoon, probably. Um, <laughs> but that'll be our, our next episode that you hear here. And if you haven't seen it yet, likely on our YouTube channel is a mini review for Three from Hell. So actually, Rob can probably edit this out if that doesn't happen. But I think it's going to happen. <laughs> All right, Missy, thank you so much for choosing this book and joining us and just being uh, such an excellent addition to the podcast in general. We love you and we appreciate everything that you've brought to this podcast. Oh my gosh. You know that I love you guys. Thank you for having me always. All right. Until next time, I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading. <laughs> <laughs>